Citizen, The Arrival, Chapter 30. Harry and Lynn welcomed their son into their home, although it was an odd thing for Tracy to live with his parents at his age. Accordingly, Tracy wanted to pay rent and find a job, but his first task was to get Granny to stop calling. She couldn't understand how Tracy could pass by her house. "'Why didn't you come here?' Granny asked. "'I've been taking care of you all my life. You got the key to the house.' I raised you. I know you best. Your father don't know you. Tracy couldn't explain why he was in Columbus other than God had sent him. Watch this, Granny said. I'll get your room ready, and I'll make sure I put you out now. Put your father on the phone. And Tracy did. Did you know your son was gay? <laughs> Granny cackled. However... Granny already played that card with Harry during the famous car incident after Tracy graduated high school. Still, Harry's countenance became troubled, and he went to his bedroom with the phone to speak with Granny privately. When he came back, he handed the phone to Tracy. "'She's really upset with you, son,' Harry said. "'But she wants to talk with you.' "'Well,' Granny said, There's nothing I could say to put you out of his house. He also said he'd take care of you, and you were free to go if you wanted to come back. I know that, Granny, Tracy said. But for whatever reason, I am supposed to be here. Moody chimed in from the other phone. Is God really directing you, boy? Or are you just fucking up? Because... You know this is crazy. But Tracy was in Columbus to stay, and he was front and center. Harry and Lynn's home was at the entrance of their well-manicured development. It was a large stucco house with a steep roof for snow, with classical brick columns and a recessed front entryway. The family entered from the side garage and passed the laundry and two guest rooms into a great room. The kitchen was along the back, with a separating island, before white Berber carpet with a rose relief magnified the home's spacious formality. Harry's office was opposite the formal dining room, separated by the front door and hall. Harry and Lynn's bedroom suite took up the other end of the house. Off the back of the great room was a small Florida room, which led to a patio and grill. Everything was staged over the immense finished basement, which had an informal carpeted living area and fireplace. So the dichotomy of Granny and Moody's house, compared with Harry and Lynn's, couldn't have been clearer. Yet Tracy was both, even without meeting his father's part of himself until his teens, and, according to God, that was why Tracy was in Ohio. When Tracy returned, his little brother Brian was in college. So it was just Tracy, Harry, and Lynn in the house. But one issue had to be solved, so Harry called Tracy into his office. Unlike Tracy's meetings with Moody, Harry's meetings were more formal, 
Everything was in its place on Harry's large desk, and his library occupied the wall behind, alphabetized by subject. So, even in a jogging suit, Harry looked ready for a board meeting. The first conference was about the Christian fish decal with rainbow stripes stuck on Tracy's jeep. The idea of a gay Christian son was an oxymoron to the household at the time. It wasn't something Tracy's parents wanted displayed in their driveway at the entrance of their development. Tracy recognized the roadblock the enemy put in his way. He wasn't going to let any offense hinder him, so he removed the decal. However, as difficulties mounted, Tracy realized whatever he had to learn about his father's bloodline was important. Dark forces seemed at work from all angles. Another confirmation of this came the following week. Tracy hadn't found a job, and Lynn couldn't understand why. She was on the kitchen side of the island in the great room. She sipped a juice she made, and Tracy sipped his on the living room side. This doesn't make any sense, Lynn said. Remember how we got your first job? Yes, Tracy said. And I don't understand this either. I mean, I certainly don't mind you being here, Lynn said. But you just went around the world. It seems strange you're supposed to come back here. This is where he told me I need to be, Tracy said. Well, Lynn stated. You are a child of God and supposed to have shelter and clothing. Your needs are supposed to be met, and the devil is a liar. Suddenly, the house shook gently. Tracy simultaneously broke into a cold sweat, but like someone had dropped a bucket of water over his head, to the point Tracy felt water well up in his shoes. Harry felt the tremor, ran from his office, and was uncharacteristically hyper. Is Tracy working out? Harry asked, and then Harry saw Tracy. If that wasn't you, what was the shaking? And then Harry noticed Tracy was wet and looked at Lynn. What did you do? Did you spray him with water? Lynn shot her husband a penetrating look, but Tracy was completely doused. Why are you wet, Tracy? Harry asked. Did you just exercise or something? No, Dad, Tracy said. This is the first time he has ever done this. Soon after, Tracy got a job that included travel during the week, and things settled into a routine. Tracy also enjoyed being back at Christian Assembly. The congregation was gearing up for a symposium over the Fourth of July holiday. Through their conversations about church, Harry was pleasantly surprised how much Tracy knew of the church and scripture. Harry also began to wonder about his son's relationship with God. At the same time, Harry was uneasy with Tracy's public acknowledgement of this relationship. Harry and Lynn were both concerned how a man of God should be seen in the world. For instance, one evening... Tracy came out from his room and headed out. Lynn saw his red sneakers and shot Harry a look. 
Before Tracy realized it, Harry jumped off the couch and somehow beat Tracy to the front door. The only time Tracy saw his father move faster was during a previous summer visit. Harry came home and saw Tracy on the front steps. After he parked his Cadillac in the garage, Harry came through the house. Then he opened and closed the front door to see what was so interesting. "'Son,' Harry said, "'what are you doing?' "'It's fascinating, Dad,' Tracy said. "'I'm watching this garden snake stalk this frog.' "'Snake!' Harry shouted. "'You gotta kill that thing!' By the time Tracy looked up, Harry stood behind him with a snow shovel. He had run to the garage to get it, and returned before Tracy had moved. In fact, the door alarm hadn't finished beeping from the door being reopened, and Tracy began to laugh. "'It's not funny, son,' Harry said, a little out of breath. <laughs> "'A snow shovel, Dad?' <laughs> Tracy asked. "'It's the biggest thing I could find.' Harry said quickly. Now kill it. So Moody wasn't the only patriarch to have a snake as his kryptonite. Now Harry managed to pass Tracy to block his exit in his very red sneakers. Son, Harry said sweetly, where are you going? And Harry leaned awkwardly on the wall with his elbow to block the door. Although Harry's pose made it look like he was about to get a cramp in his ankle. "'I'm going to the movies, Dad,' Tracy answered. "'Dressed like that.' "'What's wrong, Dad?' "'Those shoes,' Harry said gently. "'You are going out of the house in those shoes.' <laughs> "'These are my most comfortable chucks, Dad.' "'But they are red, son.' So? Well, Harry decided, your mom and I have decided that I need to take you shopping. Okay. Because Tracy still didn't understand. But in the meantime, do you have some penny loafers or something? Sure, Dad. I can do that. And Tracy changed his shoes. But their shoes represented the divide. Tracy's red sneakers, and his father's pristine dress shoes. Harry's walk with God ended up with him being a public figure as a teacher and minister. His house anchored his community, his ministry fortified his church, and Harry routinely ran into previous high school students and their growing families at the grocery store. Tracy's path took him through the southern desert, made him a cool corporate consultant, and his red sneakers had actually gone to gay bars where he watched drag performances of Christy McCall's song In These Shoes. To narrow the disparity, Harry and Tracy went shopping, and Lynn wasn't the only one who loved clothes. Harry's passion not only made him a snappy dresser, there was a purpose. His dress shirts were pressed to perfection, and his first, middle, and last name was embroidered on the right sleeve, which was revealed when Harry shook someone's hand. But that wasn't the only thing. 
When Tracy picked a polo shirt off a sail rack, Harry grimaced. Son, Harry said, let me show you something. And Harry reluctantly took the polo to hold it for Tracy. Here, son, feel the edge of this sleeve. And Tracy did. This fabric will cut you. Harry discarded the offending fabric and grabbed an exquisite polo from a hanger behind him. Try this one, Harry said proudly. See, this is what you want, something that will love you back. So Tracy learned a few tricks, but his style was pretty much set by this time. Left to his own devices, Tracy went back to his casual ways. Later, at the grocery store, Tracy stood next to his father in the juice aisle, deciding. "'Okay, Lord,' Tracy said. "'What's better for me after a workout, coconut water or aloe vera juice?' "'Son,' Harry said, "'you could say that to the Lord silently.' "'Muzzle the ox and you will not get the results,' he said. "'If you do not say it, you will not see it.' Tracy looked at his father and wondered if he heard anything, but Harry moved on to the fresh fruit department. "'See what, Lord?' Tracy said softly. "'Remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I am a builder. Everything that comes out of my mouth is meant to expand and cause increase. So if you do not speak our conversations out loud—' There will not be a manifestation in the earth. If you just think our conversation, the only thing you will receive from me are dreams and visions. Building manifestations starts by speaking my conversations out loud. That's pretty cool, Lord, Tracy said. If you act like I am real, then I will be real to you. If you keep me in your mind, that is where I will stay. If you speak our conversations out loud, I will manifest out loud, and you will live life out loud. Live life out loud, Tracy. Amen, Tracy shouted, which to Tracy felt great. But Harry was startled by his son's outburst and looked at Tracy before he picked out the perfect box of strawberries. Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Then the jubilee at their church was upon them. Tracy went with Harry to pick up one of the guest preachers from the airport. He was a finely dressed black man with alarmingly welcoming eyes, and had a charming English accent mixed with the Caribbean. He and Harry might have been mistaken for brothers, except for the preacher's distinct 1970s-looking clipped beard and connected mustache. When Harry got out of the car, they hugged and called each other brother anyway. 
the preacher's wife was impeccably dressed, had rich almond-colored skin, and an easy smile. Tracy came for their luggage and put it in the trunk of the Cadillac. "'And who is this?' the preacher asked. "'This is my son, Tracy,' Harry said proudly. "'Tracy, this is—' "'Dr. Miles Monroe,' Tracy interrupted, and Harry was surprised. "'You follow Dr. Monroe?' Harry asked. "'Please call me Miles,' the preacher said. Later, after they dropped the Monroes at their hotel, Harry was curious. "'You follow Miles?' Harry asked. "'I don't really do anything but watch Christian television when I'm at home.' Which made Harry ponder his son. "'All I know is,' Tracy explained, "'I'm supposed to get more of him and his word, and that's how I've been able to hold on.' During the festival, Harry and Tracy ferried the Munroes to and from the church. After the last revival, Harry drove the Monroes to the airport with Tracy as co-pilot. Miles sat behind Harry, and his wife Ruth sat behind Tracy in the back seat. They were quiet after so much church until Dr. Monroe had to speak. His discourse was measurably Bahamian, but he wasn't the one with the message. "'Harry,' Miles said, the Holy Ghost is telling me there is something special about your son. There is a special anointing on him. Did you know that? Harry didn't answer. Is he your firstborn? Miles asked. Why, yes, he is, Harry answered. Tracy, Miles said, the Lord is telling me to sow a seed into your life. Harry... Would you like to participate in this seed-sowing? Harry remained silent. Lynn said Harry was suspicious, which made him delayed sometimes. Ironically, his son was the same way. Both Harry and Tracy liked to test the spirit, to make sure it wasn't a lie from the pit of hell. One of Tracy's favorite sports was procrastination, which now seemed likely was inherited. "'Nevertheless,' Miles said, "'I shall sew it myself. "'Ruth, can you reach one of my books?' "'And Ruth pulled a book from their carry-on. "'Oh,' Miles said gently, "'not that one, the other one.' "'Ruth pulled out a different book "'with an eagle on the front jacket. "'Miles opened it, took a pen from his blazer, and wrote, "'To Tracy, may your vision be expanded by this book.' God bless you. Love, Uncle Miles, Phil 1-6. After he closed the book, Miles held it purposefully. Then he tapped Tracy on the shoulder with the book three times. Tracy thought Miles was trying to get his attention, but he already had his attention. No, Tracy, he said. He is from the Bahamas, so he understands the English ways of kingdom and duty. He is knighting you with a title. That's odd, Tracy thought. We're in America. What good is a title going to do me in the middle of Ohio? And then Dr. Monroe confirmed what Tracy just heard. 
I give you a title I have only given three other times before, Miles said, and his wife gasped hard enough to necessitate putting her hands over her mouth. Read it when you get home, Miles said, and study it. As Tracy tried to figure out the spiritual significance of what was going on, Mrs. Monroe leaned up to speak in Tracy's ear. You are our nephew, Ruth explained. That is the title. When they got home, Tracy looked up Philippians 1.6 inscribed in his book. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. To Tracy, the colon at the end of the scripture said it all. Tracy still didn't know why he was in Columbus, and his father didn't seem to know why either. A week later, Harry had to go to West Virginia because his Uncle Bob needed help fixing his plumbing. Harry asked Tracy if he wanted to go. He thought Tracy could visit with Granny and Moody for the weekend, which might calm things. On the road, the two were mostly quiet. Tracy thought about what Uncle Miles had said and why he was sent to Ohio. Then he was interrupted. Dad, Tracy said, he's telling me to tell you this. Isn't it odd that we didn't meet until I was 15 years old? Harry was caught off guard. Isn't it also peculiar, Tracy said, that I have the same hand gestures, vocal patterns, and I laugh just like you do? Dad, he's telling me to tell you there is nothing that is a coincidence in him. We have to figure this thing out in order for me to move forward. Okay, son, Harry said. What do you want to know? Well... Tracy said, I don't know. All he said was, in order for me to move forward, I have to learn and understand the family bloodline. And Tracy paused. He also said that only you can tell that to me. When they got to Charleston, Harry dropped Tracy off at Starling Drive. After their hug, Granny's face fell to neutral, Moody wheeled himself into the kitchen, and the three had a powwow. Granny, Tracy said, Believe me, I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. What do you mean? Granny said. If I tell you, Tracy said, Do you promise not to be upset? And Moody chuckled. You know me better than that, Granny said. Out with it. Well... Tracy said, I got a key to your house, and I don't even have to call you. Granny relaxed a little. Yeah. I'm there because God told me to go. Tracy said, I told him I didn't want to go, but that's where he sent me, and I'm paying my own way. I have a job I know is temporary, and God tells me I'm only supposed to be there until I learned the family bloodline. Well, Granny said, I don't know what that might be, but you better get to learning pretty fast. 
I don't like the idea of you paying rent when you can stay here for free. Shit. Oh, hell, Jackie, Moody snarled. Let's see how this works out. We got your back, boy. And Moody was convinced. It made sense to Moody that Tracy's connection with the tall, shiny silver figure would have come from his father. When Harry and Tracy got back from West Virginia, Tracy got another directive. He knocked on the doorframe to Harry's office, and once Harry looked up from his work, Tracy came in and sat down. Hey, Dad, Tracy said. I'm getting ready to do this travel. I'll be away for a few weeks, and God is telling me to ask you the proper way to do communion. Why is God asking you to do that, son? Harry asked. He wants me to do it every evening while I'm gone. So if you can show me how to do it, I'll make sure I'm doing it right. And Tracy paused before he added, He has never told me to do this before. You are coming up with the strangest things, Tracy. I'm not coming up with them. He is. A lot of what he says doesn't make any sense. I just do it. He made me read Psalms 91 every morning for a year before I came here, and that didn't make any sense. That statement made Harry lean back into his tall leather chair and look off into the distance. Listen, son, Harry said. Your mother called me up shortly after you were three years old. You had just gotten out of the hospital with the high temperature. She told me you were talking to an imaginary friend. She asked me if she should be alarmed, and I told her no. Then I wanted to know if your imaginary friend had a name. Tracy was surprised. This was the first time Tracy heard his parents had discussed anything about him, especially about the tall, shiny silver figure. Well, she couldn't tell me, Harry said. Is this the same he? And Harry paused. Is this the same he you've been talking to? Yes, Dad, Tracy said. Son... Let me tell you something. And his father leaned forward and clasped his hands. You can't be running around telling people you hear from the Holy Ghost like you do. And Harry's eyebrows went up. They'll lock you up and think you're crazy. Tracy was dumbfounded. Of course, this warning made sense from the guns and hound dogs point of view when he was three or when he painted the vision in the sixth grade, and his class ended up doing the snake. But Tracy had told lots of people in his adult life. Tracy told them how he had gotten him his jobs, helped him do his jobs, find new ones, and his co-workers believed. So at present, his father's warning rang hollow. Dad, Tracy said, I really do talk to him. And he really does talk back. I can't explain it. That's why I'm here, remember? And now it was Harry who didn't know what to say. You're supposed to help me figure this thing out. 
Well, son, it seems to me you can't be telling people you hear from God that often. That would mean you hear from God more than Moses did. And Harry was gentle. Now, are you saying you are greater than Moses? Instantly, Tracy felt the tall, shiny silver figure push him aside. It was more powerful than when he took possession of Tracy's arm to make the mountain flow like wheatgrass. This felt like when Tracy went to the funeral home, and the clerk wouldn't let him in to see his mother's body. Then he said, I am the firstborn. And the poor woman had to bow and back her way to unlock the sanctuary door. Like then, Tracy watched the words come from his own mouth, and Tracy felt his righteousness. Moses' sacrifice was that of doves, goats, and bulls. My covenant is of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and I have a right to hear from my daddy God more than Moses ever did. Then Tracy was pushed back into his body, and was just as shocked as Harry. Tracy looked at his father with bewilderment. Dad, Tracy said meekly, That wasn't me that just said that. I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? Because of his astonishment, Harry spoke even more slowly. It means I have a lot of work to do. And I have to put together an entirely new message for Sunday. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen... It is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.